What is up? My name is Greg Schnoes. This is the Bevo broadcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Do us a huge favor, like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us that five-star rating. We would most very definitely appreciate that. Oh, by the way, did you catch the score on Saturday? <laughs> Woo! 49 to nothing, baby. Yes. Get you some of that. Man, that was amazing, beautiful, epic, fantastic, awesome. Use whatever superlative that you find fitting. I can't get enough of this game. Enjoyed every minute of it. I've watched it probably four times since. Oh, by the way, just a few other little factors that went into this. 49 points most scored in the history for Texas. OU's largest shutout loss in school history. and. Let's see what else. Ended 160 gets 167 game streak of scoring at least a touchdown. Yeah, that's gone. How about 311 consecutive games with uh with not being shut out? Guess what, OU? That's gone as well. All courtesy of the Texas Longhorns, baby. <laughs> I love it. The Golden Hat is in its rightful home in Austin, Texas. And Texas flat out kicked OU's butt every which way across the board. OU quit on that field. They flat out quit. There's no other way to say it. I was even saying during the game, I mean, this was like maybe the first half. I'm talking like maybe first quarter, second quarter, somewhere in the first half. I uh, tweeted something out or put something on my Facebook, one of the two, that said the Charmin Toilet Paper Company, known for its softness, should reach out to OU football players on defense for NIL deals because they are so soft. They don't want to smoke. They don't want to tackle. They don't want to be there. They're, every run that Texas has a ball, it didn't matter if it was Bijan, Roshan, they were putting shoulders into chests and just running smooth over people. And it was beautiful. God, it was beautiful. 49 to nothing. Did I mention the score yet? I, I don't know if I did. I, I could do it again one more time. 49 to nothing. And yeah, I might be laying it on a little thick here. I might be a little over the top. But you know what? A lot of frustration came out on this past Saturday for Texas and Texas fans. Spin the wheel of any year. Let's just go to last year. How about when Texas had the big lead, looked great in the first half, and a true freshman jumps off the bench and seemingly saves OU's season in that game because it was the second year in a row where Spencer, Spencer Rattler had been benched in the Cotton Bowl. He came back in. Uh, in the 2021, excuse me, the 2020 game after getting benched last year, Caleb Williams came in. He never saw the field after that. So two years in a row, Texas gets the OU starter bench and somehow manages to lose one in like multiple overtime game. And then last year blowing a huge lead and just could not hold on for whatever reason, just played awful. So if I'm laid it on a little thick, you're darn right. I am 49 to nothing. It felt great. I couldn't get enough of it. Like I said, I predicted, I want to say like 45 to like 12 or 13. And once again, full transparency, like last week, I will once again say I was wrong. I gave OU too much credit, like I did to West Virginia. A little too much credit. All right, scratch that. This week, this past week, I gave too much credit to OU for scoring 10 or 12 points when they couldn't get any because they got shut out, meaning they didn't score a point. <laughs> and then West Virginia, Texas didn't win by as much as I anticipated. Nonetheless, I predict, predict Texas to win two big games by big margins, and they did. So it was beautiful. 
I don't know what else there is to say. It was absolutely such a joy to watch Quinn Ewers come out there and do his thing. Huh? Yeah. About that quarterback. Um, yeah, he's the real deal. He's the real thing. We could do the woulda, coulda, shoulda game all day long. And if he doesn't get hurt against Alabama, maybe Texas wins that game. Maybe they beat Texas Tech on the road. Maybe they're undefeated in, in the top five somewhere. But unfortunately, he got hurt. They lost and they stunk it up at OU, or excuse me, not OU, Texas Tech, which is a complete who knows what. But it happened. But, you know, I Texas – you know, forgive me for saying this if this is going to offend you. Texas is the best team in the Big 12, period, end of story. If you do any kind of like rankings in the Big 12 and you don't have Texas first, regardless of this record, you're just fooling yourself. You're just lying to yourself. Do you honestly think that the Kansas Jayhawks are a better football team than Texas? Really? Say it out loud. Kansas is better than Texas in football. That's just absolutely silly. Kansas State's going to be a tough game. I'll give you that. But Kansas? TCU? Come on now. If all these teams ahead of if, – if you think – Oklahoma State, I will give – that's the only team that I will say, okay, they're ranked in the top ten. They've been ranked really high. They kind of had a little bit of a hiccup against Texas Tech but won the game. But I've been saying since I started doing this podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network here that that game at the end of October – is going to decide the Big 12 championship. I said it weeks ago. I'm not just saying it now because Texas is looking good. I said it before the season. So it is what it is. Texas is the best pe- best team in the Big 12. If Kansas plays their best game and Texas plays their best game, who do you think wins that? Who's got the better quarterback? Who's got the better coach? Who's got the better running back? Who's got the better wide receivers? Who's got the better defense? Honestly, I mean... Top to bottom, you compare roster to roster, there's really no comparison. So it's cute. Kansas had college game day, and you know the commissioner of the Big 12 wanted to say some things, and that's fine. I get it. A lot of people love to hate on Texas. Like I, I, I've said last week when I predicted a big game, a big win over uh, West Virginia, which I was like, what has West Virginia done to make you think that they're going to keep this game close? Look at the resume going into that Texas game. I didn't, I didn't see anything. So I thought Texas would win handily, and they did. OU is a different story. It's a huge rivalry game. Anything can happen. Anybody who follows that rivalry for either school will tell you, oh, I can remember fill-in-the-blank year when fill-in-the-blank was really good and the other team was terrible and the other team came in and won. That's what happens. It is a it is a just doesn't make any sense kind of rivalry, but that's what makes college football great because those kind of games can happen. But as I sit here today, it's October 11th. Texas is the best, best team in the Big 12, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Honestly, like I said, do you really think Kansas State's better if they play their best game? TCU? Just saying. And those K-State will be a tough game. It's on the road. Texas is historically not played well in Manhattan, Kansas. All that being said, I'll take Texas. I I don't know what the spread will be. I don't know what will be going into it. But... It is what it is. B. John Robinson's one of the best backs in the country. Quinn Ewers is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I know he hasn't played a full game, but there was a reason he was the number one overall recruit in the country. 
I mean, I, you can hate me all you want. You can say I'm an, um, a dummy, a homer. I don't know what else to say, but I mean, I've seen many, many people that aren't Texas people. I don't care if it's ESPN, CBS Sports, Fox, any, any number of people will say, man, if this viewer's kid doesn't get hurt, Texas could really be somewhere right now. And again, that's the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. We don't play, in, we don't live in woulda, coulda, shoulda world. We live in reality. And the reality is Texas is four and two. They're playing an Iowa State team and in Austin. But before we get to that, I'll just say a couple more things about the Texas OU game. I won't remind you of the score, even though I've mentioned it many times. <laughs> but like I said, it was a great game. Quinn Ewers and the way Sarkeesian had that offense moving, they got into a rhythm pretty quickly. They were able to run the ball down OU's throat and in, you know, pretty much enforce their what they wanted to do offensively. They pretty much put it on OU. They were able to run the ball, you know. <laughs> and but the, like I said, the things I really enjoyed seeing was like all the motion, all the pre pre snap pre snap stuff. Too many S's <laughs> with uh, Sarkeesian, another S that uh, Texas was able to do before the snap, get things open, create, get put guys in space. There was a play where I want to say it was. Rashawn Johnson, where he kind of flared out into the flat on the right side. I want to say it was early. I think it was the biggest play of the game. It was a 38-yard 30 yard catch. Uh, it was a short throw for yours, but a big play down the sideline uh, for Texas because he was wide open. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, again, that was another thing that I said at the beginning of the year. I was like, this kid has all the potential in the world. If the light bulb is going on for this guy, watch out because – Texas already had Xavier Worthy, already had Bijan Robinson. Jordan Winnington was a guy who said, you know, knock on wood here, knock on my desk. <laughs> if that guy can stay healthy, he could really be a really, really good wide receiver, good complimentary piece to this wide receiver core. And he's proving that. But JT Sanders is the real thing, the real deal. Two, another two touchdowns, best tight end Texas has had in decades. <laughs> I mean, really and truly a decade and change. Uh, so, it, it's just fun to see Texas playing at a higher level, and I get it. They're only it's only you know, and here and here's another thing. And before we get to the OU stuff, some more, but I get it. I already know what's going to be said about next week, and it's funny. I, I hear this all the time. I read it all the time online. Everybody keeps saying, "Well, Texas isn't back." Well, Texas isn't back. Who's who on Texas has said they're back? Remind me who said that. Has Sarkeesian said, "Yeah, we're back." Nope. Has Bijan said anything like that? Has uh, Agent Zero, my guy DeMarvion Overshone, linebacker, so he said, oh, yeah, we're back. Nope. You know who keeps saying Texas is back? All the haters out there. All the people that can't stop talking about Texas, apparently. The last time I heard somebody on Texas say we're back was Sam Elliger after they won the Sugar Bowl over Georgia. That would have been January of 2019. All the haters... All the naysayers, they're the ones that are so quick to run to their keyboards, run to their phone, run to social media. Oh, Texas isn't back. Okay, well, we just beat the tar out of Oklahoma for nothing. They're not back. Texas isn't back. Okay, that's fine. Keep believing that. Keep lying to yourself. Nobody in Texas is saying that. I've never said it once on here, but I hear it all the time. And it's, again, it's the lazy, it's the, you know, regurgitated, recycled take. Let me just say the same thing that everybody else has said over and over because it's the easy thing to do. And that's fine. I'm sure that I, as I sit here, I'm thinking that, wow, Texas has really turned a corner. And everyone's going to say, oh, they beat a horrible OTU team. And they did. 
And that's fine. They're supposed to win that game. If they lose that game, exactly everything I just said would have been thrown in everybody's face who's a Longhorn fan. Oh, yeah, you're back again. Yeah, you're back to not winning again. You're back to falling on your face again. Again, I don't know a team that is held to such a standard if they don't win 56 to nothing every week, if Bijan doesn't run for 250 yards and four touchdowns every week. Man, he he just – I guess he just didn't feel like playing this week. He only ran for 110 yards and a touchdown. Well, geez. Wow, the guy's a bum. What an overrated player. Gee, hopefully – man, he can – hopefully he'll be a free agent pickup in next year's NFL draft because he won't get drafted. I mean, really, it's just sad. It really is. It's kind of sad and it's kind of funny from this perspective. But again, that's all I'm going to say about that. But OU, let's get to the OU side of this one more time. We'll, then we'll get into the Iowa State part of it. Uh, kind of saw this coming again. Uh, the, own, the podcast I've done on my own for the past few years, um, I did two separate things where I talked about Lincoln Riley leaving and the future of OU's program. And what I said was for OU fans to think that Nothing was going to happen, meaning they're not going to skip a beat. doesn't matter who they bring in, what kind of coach, offense, defense. Like this program is, is, is performing at such a high level. The coach is really irrelevant. And Lincoln Riley's a bum, and he was this, that, and the other on the way out. Nobody has anything good to say about him. Yet everybody loved him when he was the coach at OU, but the second he decides to, to walk out the door, exit stage left, everybody in their, in their dog has nothing nice to say about the guy. But honestly, I just thought – you can't lose a guy who's if your whole program is offense and scoring and defense was definitely lagging for OU. That's not, I mean, anybody that has a criticism of Raleigh of Lincoln Raleigh and his tenure at OU, that is hundred percent accurate. But to say that OU wasn't going to skip a beat, bringing in Venables who had never been a head coach, who was a guy that OU fans were couldn't wait to get out of town. Yeah. That, that's another thing that never made any sense to me. This is a guy that everybody bashed on his way out of Norman when he left to go to Clemson and, oh, by the way, his defense shut down OU a couple years later What in, in some no-name bowl game before Clemson started going to the college football playoff and winning national championships and competing for them. But, man, Venables was a guy that caught a lot of wrath from OU fans because his defense wasn't performing and they were giving up this to this game or losing in this game or whatever the case was. So it's like – so you, you, you kind of ragged on the guy and kind of gave him a boot in the rear end when he left town back in – when was that, 2012, I believe, 2011, something like that. And then, because Mike Stoops was coming back, the savior of OU's defense, which obviously that didn't work out either. But uh, and then you bring Venables in now, never, never been a head coach, and uh, I just didn't understand how you think this could happen because um, I had referenced multiple college football teams like USC, pre Pete Carroll, post Pete Carroll. How about Tennessee? There's a great example. Back in the day, if you're if you're my age. Philip Fulmer really had that thing going back in the 90s. They were pumping guys into the pros every year. They they struggled to beat Florida. They finally break through in 98. They win a national championship. And then slowly but surely, the ne- over the next handful of years, Tennessee kind of maybe just kind of trickles down. They're not quite as good as they were. And then they got rid of Philip Fulmer. And now, <laughs> just now, Tennessee is ranked back in the top 10 and has a really interesting matchup with t- Alabama this weekend. But just because one guy leaves – doesn't mean you have success afterwards. OU is very lucky, and I'll put it another way, very spoiled that Lincoln Riley kept this thing going like he did offensively. He walked into a great situation, and he kept it going down the track. So to rip on him on the way out was like, and I think more of that was just because OU fans were kind of butthurt. Nobody's ever left Oklahoma. 
we're a blue blood, we're this, we're that. Well, he left, so that's his choice. He's an adult. If he felt like leaving and he felt a better chance or uh, way of coaching or USC presented a different uh, situation for him that he thought he could thrive in, that's his choice. So he chose to leave. But honestly, there's really no other way to put it other than the OU fan base thinking of bringing a coach with zero head coaching experience who you kind of was running out of town when he left as as the D.C., and then bringing him back in and nothing's going to change. If that's not the epitome of arrogance, I don't know what is. I really don't. Honestly, I don't get it. When Spencer Rattler was getting all the hub pub for uh, Heisman, hadn't even played just because he was a five-star coming into Lincoln Riley's system. Well, he's just going to go ahead and win another Heisman. Well, obviously that was a lot of uh, incorrect assessment on a lot of people's parts. But for the OU fan base to think they were going to come in and they're not skip a beat with Venables was just flat out crazy in my mind. And honestly, as a Texas fan, I'm glad that OU's kind of falling on their face and they're and they're going through what everybody else has gone through in college football. I mean, Florida State, as great as they were under Bobby Bowden, outside of that one year with Jameis Winston and Jimbo running the show, Florida State, what have they been? How about Nebraska? Not so much, huh? Tennessee, like we just mentioned. They haven't really done much in how many years since Fulham Fulmer left? How many coaches have they hired and fired in Tennessee? I mean, even look at Alabama. They won the championship in 1992 with Gene Stallings. How many guys did they bring in after Gene Stallings? Till Nick Saban got there and got it rolling. So, OU, you've been very spoiled. You're now coming back, you know, back to earth, back to reality, and – I'm here for all of it. <laughs> so 49 nothing. hook them. Let's talk about the Iowa State game, shall we? Uh, Texas, as it sits right now, is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay. That, that I understand. I can get with that. But here's some things that I want to bring up. Iowa State's offense is not good. It's really bad. Defense is pretty solid, pretty rock solid. But I already know what's going to be said about this game. I've already beat you to the punch. Trap game. Oh, Greg, it's a trap game for Texas. Oh, man, this is the game. that this is. Oh, Texas is back, huh? Here we go. They're going to lose to Iowa State, and they're going to – Uh-huh. Yeah, all, you've got it already typed up on your phone, in your Twitter page, on your uh, – any social media that you like. You got your your keyboard fingers ready, just, just waiting to hit enter. You're just just ready to hit enter. So ready to fire off that tweet. Texas is back. Ha, ha, ha. Well, Vegas has Texas as a 16.5-point favorite. And viewers in Texas, with all the offensive firepower, I understand that the defense at Iowa State is good. But this is in Austin. It's an early start. Not the biggest fan of early starts, just because I just don't like early games. But, sure, all the potential for a trap game could potentially happen for Texas. I'm not denying that there's a potential for that to happen. That's the line of thinking that everybody's going to go with. But this is from Derek Duke, who is a writer for the Heartland College Sports Network. Oh, there you go. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Three thoughts on Kansas State's 10-9 to win over Iowa State. Here we go. These are not my words. I'm literally reading this off of the website. Iowa State's offense is lost. If anyone reading this can find Iowa State's offense, please call Matt Campbell. I really am not sure what to say about this offense other than it has been extremely tough to watch over the last two weeks. Hunter Deckers, 
doesn't look comfortable out there. And as he is missing some throws and the run game is still not where it should be. This offense has yet to rush for more than 80 yards over the last three games and has scored just one touchdown in their last eight quarters of football. The execution isn't there, and I do believe there should be some blame on offensive coordinator Tom Banning. It's a shame that this offense is so bad because the defense is good enough to compete for a Big 12 title. That's not a Texas guy saying that. And again, you mean, I mean, I I, I already can hear it now. Texas, it's, oh, they're going to overlook them. It's going to be close. The offense hasn't ran for over 80 yards in the last three games. So that's, let me see, four. Oh, yeah, that's 12 quarters of football. And has scored one touchdown over their last eight quarters of football. Texas wins this game easy. Easy. Why wouldn't they? Iowa State's defense might be legit. And they might slow Texas down in the beginning. But can do they have enough to shut them down for an entire game? No. Because Iowa State's offense is going to be going three and out. And is going to turn the ball over. And Texas is going to capitalize on that and put Iowa State's defense in a tough spot. They're going to be on the field for an extremely high amount of plays. And if you ask a defense to play many, many snaps over a football game, what happens? You're a smart person. If you're listening to this podcast, you know enough about football. You know the area. You already know the answer. That means the defense is going to be tired. That means they're going to be worn out. And the offense is going to be able to take over. And that's when you run the football and you just punch people in the mouth over and over and over. And it's not like Texas doesn't have multiple backs that are capable. All three of them scored last week. Bijan, Roshan, Keelan. Texas can run this at you and keep running it at you. And then, oh, by the way, they've got some of the best skill talent, the best tight end in the conference, maybe the best wide receiver in the conference, probably the best play caller in the conference. So, yeah, 16 and a half, I'd take that all day long. If you want to take the plus 16 and a half, if you like to do that, feel free. I'm not advocating that you do. <laughs> I'm just saying Texas should win this one. Iowa State is a decent football team. They are not a good football team. Just like West Virginia. Again, if they haven't rushed for 80 yards in three games and they haven't scored and they've scored a touchdown in eight quarters of football, Texas scored seven touchdowns last Saturday alone. I'll say that again. Texas scored seven touchdowns last Saturday. Iowa State has, has scored one in eight quarters. Call me crazy, but Texas wins this one in a route. It might be a little bit close in the beginning. It might be like that West Virginia game. West Virginia might move the ball, do some things here and there, but ultimately they're not going to put points on the board. Texas will come out. And, oh, by the way, they've got multiple running backs. If the offense isn't clicking, if the if the passing game, for whatever reason, if Quinn Ewers is just off, well, hand it off to any number of these running backs and just run it down their throat. Force them to stop you to run the ball. And then that opens things up. I really don't think Iowa State's defense can shut down a Texas offense playing for four quarters with all the talent that Texas has. Alabama slowed them down a little bit. That's Alabama. Who else has really slowed Texas down this year offensively? I mean, as we look at their their schedule here, right? Here, let me look. All right, here we have... Uh, come on, computer. Ah, where'd it go? There it is. They scored 52 in the first game. Then they scored 19 when they lost to Bama. They scored 41 against UTSA. They won that. They scored 34, lost to Tech. Scored 38 against West Virginia. They won that, and they scored 49. So their lowest output was 20, or excuse me, was 19 against Alabama. 
Otherwise, it's been 52, 41, 34, 38, 49. You, re- you mean to tell me that Iowa State's going to keep them under 30, 35 points? I doubt it. I doubt it. And the Texas defense is playing a lot better. They are playing a lot better. So you combine an explosive offense that's gaining confidence and a defense doing the same. Again, Texas wins this one and wins it easily. I don't see how it doesn't happen. But again, it is what it is. We'll see. That's why they play the games, right? (laughs) And that's why we love watching them. So once again, my name is Greg Schnoes. This has been the Bevo Broadcast. I appreciate each and every one of you listening. Again, do us a solid uh, like, subscribe, give us that five-star rating. Uh, We would most definitely appreciate if you would do that for us. So as always, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Bevo Broadcast on the Heartland College Sports Network. I'll talk to you again soon.